We're going to be spending time in, uh, in both the Old Testament and the New. One is in First uh, First Chronicles 29. So if you want, if you have an app or a Bible, you can turn to First Chronicles 29. In the second place, we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter nine. So we're going to kind of um, spend a little bit of time in both of those areas. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you tonight um, with thankful hearts. For all that you've done at River's Edge, Lord, for the space that we've been gathered in, for the people that have been gathered to you through the, the ministry here, Lord, for the community that has been built. Um, so many ways we have seen people give and see you be blessed and glorified through that. So we acknowledge that tonight. We acknowledge, Lord, who you are. And who we are. And we ask, Lord, that your kingdom come in greater measure through us. And as we look into your word, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts that we might really hear your voice for your people tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start out um, by asking a question. A lot of people, a lot of people, when they look at this word give, they think, oh no, I'm going to start talking about giving money again, right? And I want to look at it in a little bit different way tonight. Um, because I think that the Lord has some things to show us through, especially through the life of David. And I want to kind of make a statement as we start, and that is, one of the things that we want to see happen here at River's Edge is we want to excel in all God is doing in and through us as the River's Edge community. And giving is part of that. So as we excel in all that God has for us at River's Edge, Giving is a natural part of that. And so it's natural to talk about that as well. And uh, the verse that we're going to spend the most of the time on tonight is from 1 Chronicles 29, starting in verse 14. So if you have your app open, your Bible, you can turn there. It should flash up here on the screen as well. And it basically it says this, But who am I? And this is King David. Give you a little background. King David, at the end of his life, he has... He has gone through raising up the whole kingdom of Israel. He has is about to install his son Solomon as king. It's the very end. It's one of the final statements that David makes, and this is what he says: "But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand." Pretty amazing statement. If you know anything about King David, he was he was God's chosen instrument to bring the nation of Israel into a place of preeminence in the Middle East, in the ancient Near East especially. And for him to make that statement, a lot of things were going on in his life. You know, you had um, you have the king who has who has been this warrior king who has who has gone out and conquered all of the peoples of that area in accordance with what God wanted to establish through Israel. And he was he had this expectation that he was going to be able to build God's temple. He was going to be able to build the temple for God there. And so he was making preparations to do that, and he asked his prophet Nathan, and Nathan kind of went before the Lord and said, Lord, is David to build your temple? And he said, no, because you've got blood on your hands. Your son, however will build this temple. 
And so I, I want to ask us this question, and as we look at David in this particular place at the end of his life, with the expectation that he's going to be able to build God's temple because of his relationship with God, I want to ask this question, and I want us to apply that to our own lives here today at River's Edge. And that question is this, how did David get to the, this point of realizing the privilege that he and God's people were having in being able to give? How did David get to that part? How did he get to the place in his life where he could count it as the most privileged thing that he could be a part of to give to the work of the Lord? And I think there's a few things that kind of jump out at us as we look at this particular passage. If we were to spend the whole, you know, we could spend a, a couple of hours on this entire passage. Um, but I told Marcia I'm going to limit it to about 10 minutes in the first part here. Um, but there's four things that kind of jump out at us in this particular passage as we, we look at this. The first thing, well, the first reason that David had got to this point was that he had a magnificent view of God. His God was high and exalted. And when you read through the Psalms, especially the Psalms that are specifically attributed to David, you get this picture of God as this high and exalted God. He is, he is the God who can do anything. Nothing is too difficult for him. And over and over and over again, when David is being pursued by Saul, when David is going into battle with the different armies of the people that he was, that the Israelites were fighting, when David is struggling in his own life, he gets this huge picture of God and he continually goes back to God. And he magnifies who God is. He had a magnificent view of God. The second thing David realized was he realized what was important. He was at the end of his life. He had made a lot of, uh, he had had a lot of glorious victories in his life. He had made a lot of terrible mistakes. He had, he had paid the price for some of those. And yet he understood what was important. He realized that it is important to be a part of what God is doing. It is important to be a part of what God is calling was calling him to do at that time. And he counted it a privilege to be able to give to the work of the Lord, to be able to give to the establishment of his temple. And a lot of people today don't have that kind of a view of God. And I hope that as we move forward into 2017 at River's Edge, our view of God is even higher and more exalted. And that we understand what the, what the importance is that we have to play in the role of seeing his kingdom come here in Spokane through River's Edge. See, David understood that at that point of his life. He understood that not only was God high and exalted, he understood what was important. And David possessed an amazing view of God's temple. If you read through this particular passage, there's a couple of statements that are made as David, as David is uh, talking about the temple. He's talking about the different things that are going to be put into the temple and all of the resources that he has provided for the temple. Gold for gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze work. All of these things, uh, precious stones and rubies that were going to line the inside of the temple. In fact, he had so much silver given that the entire inside of the temple was going to be was going to be um, covered in this silversmith. It was just an amazing view that he had of the temple. 
because that was the view he had of God. He knew that God was worthy of everything that he could give and all that he could provide to glorify his name in that region. David had this high and exalted view of God. He also had a view of what the temple was going to be. And isn't it interesting as we look into the New Testament how Paul describes us being the temple of God. I look around the room here tonight and I can see precious gold and I can see precious silver and I can see precious rubies and diamonds through the friendships that have been established, through the things that you guys have already done. God has created us and is building us into His temple, an expression of His temple here at River's Edge. And we should have no less view of God and no less view of His temple than David did at the end of his life. David understood what it meant to be a part of God's work. David also knew that God sees the heart. Do you remember back to when David was called? If you go back into 1 Samuel, when Saul was king and Saul had, had basically walked away from God, and so God told Saul, or God told Samuel, that he was to anoint the new king. And he went up to Jesse's farm, and he was starting, he heard that there were some sons of Jesse up there that were some real potential king material. So one by one, the sons started marching out. And the first son came out. And he was, he was tall and strong and mighty, and Samuel thought to himself, surely God, this is the anointed one. And God said, no, let him pass by. And the second son came out, and God said, no, let him pass by. And the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and so on, until there were no more sons standing before him. Samuel turns to Jesse and said, do you not have any other sons? He said, well, there is. David, little scrawny David, he's, he's out tending the sheep. Call him in, he said. And as soon as he came into Samuel's presence, the Lord said to him, This is my anointing. There's a wonderful passage there that says, Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. David looked back on his life, I believe, and he understood that God was looking through him into who he was, into who he was as a person, because God cares about our integrity. He cares about our heart. He cares about the things we think about. He cares about the things that we do. He cares about how we act in his temple and how we contribute to building up his temple through friendships, through kind words, through encouragement through reaching out to people. David understood this. He had a magnificent view of God. He realized what was important. He possessed an amazing view of God's temple, and he knew that God sees the heart. In a little while, we're going to have an opportunity to look forward in the second Corinthians chapter 9 and see how Paul ties us back into how David viewed this particular passage as well. But first, Matt Karsh is going to come and share a little bit about some of the ways that you all have given in 2016 of your time 
and your talents and your resources and your treasures. And he's going to give us a little snapshot as we look forward into 2017 about what we can expect here at River's Edge. Thanks, Tracy. So I have the, the privilege to kind of talk about some of the, the nitty-gritty details of uh, what has happened in 2016. And like Tracy said at the very beginning, when we talk about giving, um, I immediately get a comfortable with like, okay, we're going to talk about money. But actually, we want to look at a much broader picture. Money is included in that, but especially building on this example of David building the temple, uh, there was all sorts of giving required to build the temple eventually when Solomon does build it. And so we want to really look at three things, time, talent, and resources that go into it. So just real briefly, um, I want to look back at each one of those areas in time and talent and resources on what we've done in 2016 and how we as a church have given in time, talent, and resources, uh, how you have given in time, talent, and resources, and then also looking forward to 2017, the ways that you can continue to give, and even some opportunities coming up within the next couple weeks. So if we just first think about time and the way that uh, we have given time in 2016. One of the big ones is uh, there's a crew of people who, um, for the most part, have set up these lights every single week. The last couple weeks we've left them up, which has been really great. But there's a group that sets up the lights and sets up the, the chairs and does the sound stuff and the projector and this, this wall here. Uh, there's, a, there's a ton of effort and time that goes into just getting the coffee ready and everything like that. So there's time that goes into that inside. There's time that goes into serving with the kids in the back. And many of you have, have contributed to that. And so thank you. We, we um, as a church, just want to say thank you for what you have contributed internally in all those ways. And if you were around over the summer, um, there was things that happened in the park. There was people who cooked burgers. And um, I remember one time Matt like, called me, because I think the burgers were still frozen. And, um, Matt Deason had the same experience where he left the burgers in the, the freezer every single week. Um, but there were just multiple times where um, you guys have served one another with your time, and you just dedicated time to one another. And so we want to say, say thank you for that. Um, but there's also ways that you have done it outside the four walls of the church. You've served outside of this group. Um, thinking over the summer, towards the end of the summer, we started uh, playing soccer with a group of kids, uh, most of whom were refugees. And new to the city of Spokane, so uh, there was a time commitment there to help them get to the soccer field, to play soccer with them, to get them home. Um, all of that required a, a certain carving out of time in order to make it happen, um, but there was other things besides that. Uh, we also were able to give um, resettlement suitcases to families when they came in, or to kids when they came in. Um, they gave them jackets, and gave them toys, and gave them school supplies, and all that took time to put those together. Looking forward to 2017, um, one of the ways that you can continue to give of your time is, again, with refugees. So you've heard us talk over the last couple of weeks about starting up soccer again. So starting the 22nd at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, we, um, so, well, I guess it requires explaining that, so if you haven't heard yet, we as a church are moving to the mornings. So this is actually our last week of gathering in this space in the evening at 5 p.m. So starting next week at 5 p.m. in this building, there's probably be one of us here to make sure that if anyone shows up, we remind them that actually we're in the mornings. And we've joked about playing um, Super Smash Brothers on the, 
on the screen. So we might be here playing Super Smash Bros. But other than that, there's not going to be a church gathering here at 6 p.m., but there will be a church gathering at 10 a.m. at a new building that's just about five minutes down the road, and I have a little invite cards that has the address and has all the information about that. We are moving to 10 a.m. as of next week. And in place of that, or, or with that change, that, that opens up our schedule to be able to play soccer with refugee kids again. So that will start on January 22nd at 6 p.m. and we'll play for about an hour and a half. And with that, it's going to take a time commitment to help kids get there. It's going to take a time commitment to play. It's going to take a time commitment to hopefully um, have food uh, that we can all eat together afterwards. And the schedule will be kind of interesting, but that's kind of, if you want to learn more about the full schedule of that, feel free to come talk to me. But one thing that you should all know is that we'll start that on January 22nd. That's an opportunity to give of your time towards that. If you also think the next one is talent. So when the, the temple was built, and, and if you think about it, if you have to build anything, uh, it, it takes a whole lot of talent. And it takes a whole lot of different kinds of talent in order to build a building like the temple. It required, as Tracy mentioned, people to fashion the metal, but it also required people to put the bricks together and required people to plan and draw. There's all sorts of different talents that went into building the temple. When it comes to us as a church, it, we need people with all sorts of different kinds of gifts. And Paul, in the New Testament, will reference um, this image of a body. There's multiple parts, to, but one body. And ears are different than eyes, which are different than noses, which are different than toes. All are equally important, and they all make up one body. And this image of a body is, I think, really, really helpful when we think about how we give of our talent. So, uh, you guys would really hate it if I stood up here and I sang and led by music every single week. For those of you who have heard me sing, you can agree with that. I'm not good at that. But there are a talented group of people who serve that way and lead us in musical worship every single week. And we want to say thank you to each one of you who've done that throughout the last 12 months, whether it be over the summer and then into this building. Um, at the same time, it takes talent to hang out with the kids in the back. It takes talent to figure out how to mix all the sound stuff together. And it takes talent to make the coffee. So in the same ways, and a lot of similar things that it takes time to do, it also takes specific gifts and talents to be able to do them. And not everyone can do everything, but looking forward, there's all sorts of different ways that you can continue to serve and continue to give from whatever talent or gift God has given you. And if you if you have looked back over the last um, couple of years of your life and you're like, no, I'd really like to get involved and start serving in some area, let's just have a conversation about an area that you that you'd like to serve in, something that makes you come alive, something that, that you're excited about, and we can definitely find an avenue to help put um, you into that role. So looking forward to 2017, there's, as I mentioned, there's those different areas that you can serve in, whether it be with music or with kids, um, moving into the new building, there, there might even be some other opportunities that um, you've never thought about before. We know that moving into the West Central Multicultural Church, they have a lot of really cool stuff going on in the community. So um, one of the amazing things about our new partnership with their church is that they are really, really involved in West Central and really, really involved with um, different families in the area. One of those ways is with, a local, is with a food bank that they have within the church building 
and I think it's the first, third, and fifth Thursdays of the month that they do feedings out of the fellowship hall in their church building, which is where we will have pieces of, of um, our kids' uh, gatherings on Sundays. So it's very much a part of what we are. Uh, the building that we're going to be in is also the building where this food bank operates out of. So there's a, a place to serve there. They also have a, a clothing closet for the same sorts of things. And they also have uh, a resource center for women who've been uh, abused. And so that's an area, too, if that kind of makes it come alive and say, hey, I want to serve with that. There's opportunities now to partner with this new church that we're headed into to serve in that way. And the last one is with resources. So, um, like I said, there's a piece of giving that is financial. Um, one of the things we want to make a habit of is just kind of sharing um, at least once a year kind of the financial picture of us as a church. And I have really great news. We're in a really great, really, really great spot financially. You guys have been extremely, extremely generous. And other individuals and other churches have been extremely, extremely generous towards us. So I have a little graphic just so you can see it because I like graphics. Um, in 2016, as an entire year, we spent about $25,000 over the course of 12 months. And that's broken down in these different ways on the left, kind of percentages of what we spent money on. So we had some startup costs like buying speakers and buying a projector and buying the screen. If you were here on week one and we didn't have the screens, you couldn't read the words. So we went out and bought the screen, and that's part of the startup cost that we had at the very beginning. Then also we, we uh, paid money to rent this facility. Um, there's there's one pastoral salary, and uh, it's not me, it's Matt Neeson, just so you know, in case you've ever wanted to know, um, who's like who's on staff and who gets paid and who does what. Um, so that's a piece of it. Other expenses are things like the coffee and the cookies, and I've heard the cookies are big among lots of you. So I have, I have completely gone away from buying specific ones that I know people don't like, and I think we've gotten in the right rhythm of the right kinds of cookies. So the last one, uh, we've also spent about 9% um, of our operating budget we've spent on Hear the Cry, which is um, those some of those um, resettlement suitcases, some of the stuff with soccer. I have a little asterisk, and if you can read the really, really, really fine print at the bottom, uh, we've, we've mentioned in the past that 10% of our giving goes to Hear the Cry, and so I put a little asterisk because we didn't spend a full 10%, but a full 10% is earmarked to go towards Hear the Cry. So our budget in Hear the Cry is, we have leftover money to be spent in 2017. So hopefully the number will be higher than 9% in 2017. Hopefully that's not confusing. So that's how that's kind of a rough breakdown. And like I said, you guys have been extremely generous. So of what we have uh, been been given, what has been given by individuals, uh, we have a surplus from this past year. And this is just a breakdown of how uh, we got those funds. So about 40% came from individuals like you, and then 60% came from gifts from the Jesus Church family. So that's churches like Westside. And churches like 26 West who have given funds to help kind of get us off the ground. And like I mentioned, we're in a really great place financially. You've been really generous and we want to say thank you. And I'm sure Tracy's going to kind of come back and close us out and read through 2 Corinthians. Um, but really the whole, the whole point
point of me sharing those details through time and resources is to say thank you for what you've done in 2016 and that we're excited about what's going to happen in 2017. So go ahead and Chrissy, you can pack up and finish out with second Corinthians. Thanks, Matt. You know, we have been uh, praying as a family about what God is doing here um, among us for this last year to look up and see some of the percentages that have been given and to know that those figures represent real people and real relationships in places like Monyap saying South Africa. You guys don't even know right now, but your gifts are participating in helping an after-school children's program in South Africa right now when kids who don't get enough to eat they come into the church and Pastor Leva Kolasang and his and some of the people within his church they, they bring the kids in and they love on them and they feed them they feed them a, a meal sometimes it's just rice or cornmeal or something like that but they give them a meal and those are tangible things that we're doing here that your gifts are helping to support there's a basketball ministry outside of Manila, in Quezon City. And it only costs five dollars to rent the to rent the court to pay for the electricity. And so we've decided to pay for the court rental for pretty much the entire year. We've earmarked money to set aside so that Kim and Smile Hugo and the, the staff there at Grace uh, City Church in Quezon City don't have to worry about that little extra amount that they have to come up with to rent the basketball court. And those are tangible ways that the gospel is going out from this expression of God's temple here in Spokane. And that's a glorious thing. So, like Matt said, we're excited and we want to say thank you. And we want to say thank you for considering it a privilege to participate in what's going on around the world. So if you have your Bible app open or your Bible, we're going to spend a little bit of time in uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9 to kind of wrap, wrap up this discussion here. Because Paul expands David's understanding of generosity in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul, I think, looks back a little bit on what David's whole concept was, and then he helps us see in greater measure exactly what um, the new gospel idea is about giving and generosity. So starting uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you can read along with me or on the screen. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Going back to that whole idea, God sees the heart. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that's kind of what Paul is wrapping up here. What happens as we give of our time and our talents and our resources or our treasures? What happens when, when we begin to grasp that concept that David had? Who, who am I and who are my people that we could be privileged to give to the work that you're doing? To, to give to the work of your temple being built, to give to the work of your kingdom is coming. And Paul is saying the same thing to us here in this particular chapter. The first thing we see 
from Paul is that God supplies. God supplies what we need. When Jenny and I back um, back in '98, when uh, when God was speaking to us to go into full time ministry, and uh, Brooke was how old? Brooke six years old. Brooke was six. Sarah, Sarah was four. Coulter was just born. He was a year old. So we were a family of five, and um, and God was speaking to us. Lord, what what uh, what do you want us to do? And, we felt that the Lord was calling us into full-time ministry. So we sold our home. We packed up everything that we had, the whole family, and we moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And for three years, we lived there and lived off of the proceeds, basically, of selling our house. And God was so faithful during that three-year period. God supplied. Over and over and over again, I will tell you, that when you're in need and you go to God, He will supply it. Some of you I know are looking at international missions. And some of you are planning on going to places that a lot of people wouldn't be going. I want you to know that God will supply. He'll supply what you need. He'll supply your protection. He'll supply the people that you're going to bless and minister to. He will supply. One of my mentors when we were up in Canada, his name is Barney, he said, there's no, uh, uh, safety is not found in the absence of danger. It's found in the presence of God. It doesn't matter where you are, because God is going to supply. Safety is not found, because he's gone to places all over the world. He was he was in a church one time when the Hutus and the Tutsis were fighting each other. Bolts were whizzing through the, the walls of the church. And they were singing and glorifying God. As those bolts, I mean, I think in his estimation, he believed some of them might even have been passing through him. See, God protected him. God will supply. That's exactly what Paul is saying here, isn't it? Paul is saying that when we get that view of who God is and the privilege that it is to be a part of his kingdom being built and his temple being built. He's going to supply exactly what we need to be a part of that. The second thing that, that Paul points out is that we are enriched. We are enriched. It's amazing when you take a look at what Paul had done in his life and the things that he had seen happen. He saw over and over again that God supplied for his needs. But he also was enriched through that. God is able to bless you abundantly, it says. Paul says. God is going to bless you abundantly. Not going to give you a little bit of blessing. He's not going to be stingy in what he does. When he calls us to something, when he calls you to something, he will bless you. You will be enriched. Your life will be enriched. And you'll be living in the abundance that he has planned for you, for your life. Paul understood that. He lived that out. He saw the protection. He was stunned and he lived through it. 
You read through the, the books that he wrote, you see over and over and over again, not only did God supply for his needs, but he was enriched through the, 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 the whole process that he found himself in. And when we do that, when we gather into that whole concept of being a part of what God is doing, not only does God supply, not only are we enriched, but we get the ability to act generously. Because sometimes it's not in our nature to do that. I mean, I'll speak from experience. Sometimes it's, I mean, if I have something and it's mine, I want to hold on to it. I want to hold on to the things that I have, the things that I've worked hard for. Sometimes they're friends or they're people or they're relationships or they're possessions. Sometimes it's monetary things. Sometimes it's just my time. Because my time is precious to me. And yet, as we see that God supplies, because we should know that God can multiply our time, He can multiply the resources that we have to give, we begin the process of being able to be generous. And opening our hands, if you open, see, if you open your hands and say, Lord, what I have is yours, it's hard to hold on to things. Hard to hold on to things with, a, with, a, with an open palm. God will enable us to act in generosity. Some of the things that Matt talked about earlier. Ways that you can serve, ways that you can give, ways that you can be a part with your time and your talents and your resources. In 2017, God will give you the ability to act generously by multiplying your time. And I know as college students, some of you, time's a precious commodity, right? I mean, you got, you got exams, you've got deadlines, you've got all the things you've got to do. I understand that. God will supply your needs. God will give you everything you need to be enriched, and He will give you the ability to act in generosity. And fourthly, when we do that, God is blessed and thanked. Paul says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good works and God's name is glorified. God's name is lifted high. We say over and over again, we want to see God's kingdom come. God's will be done. Here in Spokane, as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. God's kingdom is a kingdom of, of blessing. It's a kingdom of, of exalting the one who is worthy of our praise. That's the, all that we're about here at River's Edge, all that we're about here in this expression of God's temple, right here before me, is about exalting God's name. It's about lifting his name high. In 2017, we want to look back a year from now and see God's hand in exceedingly abundant ways, blessing people through us, blessing you, each one of you, through the things that he has done here, through the things that he has done through us as we work together. What we really want to see and what we really want to ask, not only in saying thank you to what you've done in 2017, is to look forward into 2018. 
2016 and to look forward into 2017 is by saying let's excel in our giving whenever we have the opportunity to participate in the privilege of giving into God's kingdom coming in Spokane as it is in heaven. Let's pray.